All right, looks like we're up on the live stream. Well, good morning, Identity Church. I'm, I'm really glad to be, to be finishing up this, um, this message. I, I think I'm finishing up. It's just like everything. You know, God may say, hey, we're going to do one more round, right? It just really depends. But, you know, I kind of feel like I'm getting at a landing place with what's going on. And, you know, every time I do a series like this, and I've actually done this series and I've redone it completely. Completely, completely, I've redone it all. And, you know, God just keeps giving me more and more things that he wants to to put out there about how we choose life. You know, when, when, I was, when I was younger, I thought choosing life was, oh, I'm just going to get saved. And that's a good choice. That salvation is an awesome choice. Being saved, accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is the foundation. Okay? How many people, how many people go back, you know, to your house and you go back and you, you do something to your foundation that often? I don't. I don't think I've ever done anything with my foundation. Every house I've been in, the foundation has been the foundation. Now, I'm going to tell you what. I've went and I've repainted the bathrooms. I've went and I've redone the kitchen. I've went and redone a lot of things in a house. Flooring. But the foundation is the foundation because if it is good, then you don't have to do anything to it. See, that's what being saved is, is that once I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I'm not having to worry about me and God anymore of whether or not I have right standing with him. Right? I do need to apologize if I do something wrong. How many people knows that if you wrong somebody, you need to apologize to them, right? Everybody. Okay. Well, that's good because that, that's not being a psychopath, okay? People don't be psychopaths to God, okay? Let's just make sure that everybody understands that, that we apologize to God. But repentance is not, I'm I'm taking my repentance. You know, the Catholic Church, they used to have these people back in the 14 and 1500s. They would beat each other with a cat of nine's tail because they thought that that was penance. You know, that's what the the Catholic Church said is, oh, I'm, I'm beating myself because I sinned. Well, the word repentance in the Greek is the word metanoia. It just means that I was going the wrong direction. You know, Romans 2, 4 says in order to go in the right direction, it's the goodness of God. So it's the goodness of God that makes me go, wait a minute, I'm not going in a good direction. Wait a minute, that's the goodness of God. I got to go over here. You know, in everything that you do in your life, you got to go, am I in the goodness or am I in the worldness, the badness? Because if Romans 2, 4, see Romans 1 is about the world. Everybody wants to make Romans 1 about something else. I mean, it is. It's got, it's got homosexuality in there. It's got everything, but it's got a lot of other stuff in there too. It's not just pointing out one sin over another. It's talking about the world. It's talking about every single thing that you could do. And it says that God gave men over to their sins. But then in Romans 2, 4, it says, but the goodness of God brings all men back to repentance. means it changes their mind and their direction and how they're going to go. See, the goodness of God is what's going to do it. Not me sitting up here going, hey guys, I'm going to put a list of all the do's and don'ts up here and, and let y'all need to follow those. In order to be in this church, you got to do that. Or in order to be a Christian, you got to go do that. You know what? I can tell you if something's good or bad, but you already know it. I got news for you. You sin, you know it. It's right here. You know, even the hardened people of the world, they get that... They just go, eh, I'm just going to throw it away. They try to find agreement with their sin over changing. But see, choosing life, even for the hardened sinner, is the foundation of Jesus Christ. And then on top of that, I build my mind, 
my will and my emotions up to a place to where I go, wow, in what I think is good, what I know is good, and how my emotions affect me is good. How many people would like to have good emotions? You know, good emotions is not, ha, 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 I'm happy. You know, good emotions is sometimes I'm sad, sometimes I'm happy, but I am not overtaken by my emotions. There's somebody here that needs to hear this this morning. I'm just telling you, there should be some amens. We should be running around the church. Hallelujah. Because our emotions will take us over if we allow them to. Our emotions are a catalyst. They're a catalyst to changing our mind. You know, you may think God is good to you today, but tomorrow your emotions kick in. Well, God's not good to me today. Well, you know what? He was just as good to you today as he was before because the word says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, if he's the same yesterday when I was, when everything was good, <laughs> everything's great. And then today it's really sad. Well, it says today he's the same God. And then forever. Do you know that, that that's a promise? Most of the time we take our promises and we throw them away based upon how we feel. Our mind, will, and emotions, they're, they're caught up in our five senses. It's what we see, hear, taste, smell, and feel. Those are the five things that will, that will come at us. Oh, I, I see something bad's happening. Well, you know what? You know, we've had problems with the air conditioner. I'm, I know these are stupid ones, but we've had problems with the air conditioner. We've been believing God. We've had twice on a Sunday. One time we had to bring in all the people in here and we, we ate in here. And it was great. It was fine. Well, you know what? I, I found out from our landlord when I, by the way, I signed, I'm signing a three-year lease here again. So we're going to have this place for the next three years. Amen. Praise God. We've been praying about that. Joanne, me and you were praying about that, right? You know what? We got a great, we got a great deal. It was awesome. Johnny Reese is an awesome guy. And God is using him in our ministry. I'm just telling you straight up. I'm believing God for Johnny Reese. I'm praying for Johnny Reese. You know what I want to also pray for? Is I want to pray that when we, when we have issues, that we don't get upset by the issues. You know, one of the great things about when he told me in our lease discussion, he said he's going to replace the air conditioner on the other side. Well, praise God, that's another awesome thing because now we won't have to come in and go did it work this morning well you know i'm giving you some praise god moments but what if the air conditioner was out today oh god's not good to me today no it's an air conditioner guys i don't think i found air conditioner in my bible i mean maybe it's somewhere in first dusty chapter three i don't know you must have air conditioner running in order for the Holy Ghost to be able to work. Well, if that was the case a hundred years ago, there would have been nobody being filled with the Holy Ghost, being saved, because we didn't have air conditioning. You know, one of the things I want everybody to know in their identity in Christ is that it doesn't matter how I feel. I may wake up today and I didn't feel good. I did not feel good this morning. I did not sleep last night. And you know what? I still woke up and said, praise God. Praise God that I am healed. You know what? Also, I need to be smart. I need to quit eating Mexican food on Friday night and then eating um, Champy's chicken with all this like hot sauce on it on Saturday. It helped me out a lot, right? Well, you know, the thing is, and by the way, he wants to get me hurt. I don't know. He keeps bringing me peppers. But Brock wants to get me hurt. But, but this is the thing. I'm not praising God just because I feel good one day and then the next day it's like, well, God's not good to me. You know what? His word and his promises are yes and amen. What am I doing today? Am I supposed to be preaching from this? I don't know. Y'all put it up here. We'll see what's in there, okay? I, but before I get to it, 
I want you to understand that there is some awesome things God wants to show you. God wants to be in your life in a way that you've never, ever seen it. I mean, if I could just preach on anything, I would just tell him, tell you how good he is to you. He is good to you. He is good to you. He's good to me. I'll tell you straight up. You want to know prosperity? After being married 25 years to this woman, I have, I have more opportunity. I have more money. I have more, I have more time with people and relationships and everything. And it's because I did not stop. You know what? If you keep going, you win. You know, in everything, if you just keep going, you win. I'm being serious about this. If you've got a problem, if you keep going, you win. What if I die? Well, I go to be with Jesus. I won. What do you want? One of these days, we're all going to die. Either that or he's going to come back. But guess what? I don't want to ever be sitting here wasting one minute of my life trying to figure out why my life didn't. Oh, well, why can't it be better? Well, guess what? You can make it better right this minute and 10 years from, you know, 10 days from now, 10 months from now, 10 years from now, you're going to have a better life as long as you stay in the promises of God. Amen. Woo, I'm going to get back over here because I'll just keep preaching on that. Let's see, choosing people. You know, this is probably one of my favorite, favorite teachings. You guys, if this doesn't become one of your favorite teachings and one of the favorite people in the Bible, then you just don't understand. You just don't understand what God is doing in people's lives because we always look and say, who's your favorite? You know, if I say, well, who's your favorite person in the Bible? You know, and I just had you scream it out. Go ahead. Scream out. Who's your favorite person? Man, Jesus was most. I heard of David. I've, I've heard some other folks. Guess what? Jesus is my favorite, okay? Because you can't be a preacher and not say Jesus is your favorite, okay? So I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. But right there, right there neck and neck with Jesus is this person. And I will tell you why this person is so good here in just a second. Because this guy chose life. In fact, this guy, it is believed by scholars that he was the rich young ruler. The, the rich young man. The one that came to Jesus and said, Hey, I've kept all of the commandments. How do I become perfect? And Jesus told him, Hey, do all these things. And, and he said, Hey, I do them. And he goes, Well, sell everything. Come follow me. You know, this man, scholars believe, was the guy named Barnabas. See, Barnabas came from a really, really wealthy family. And Barnabas was one of these guys that when he was out there in, in his ministry, you know, mo- most people think, well, Barnabas, is just a, he was just a guy. He, he hung out with Paul. Do you know that Barnabas is, I attribute Barnabas to everything that happened pretty much from Paul and from the writings and teachings of John Mark, even some of the stuff that happened in Peter and Luke. See, Barnabas was a person that said, I'm not looking for the spotlight, I'm looking for Jesus. Because I think he missed it one time. I think Jesus said, hey, sell it all and come follow me. And I think Barnabas, because he walked away and he was sad because he had great wealth, I think it took him a little bit of time. Now, does God upset at, at the rich young ruler or if it was Barnabas? Because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say some stuff here, and I've read books and I've talked to people, and you know, there's all kinds of scholars that go back and forth. So I'm going to tell you some stuff, and you can go research it on your own. I don't, I don't care if you don't believe it the way I believe it. That's all right. But I'm going to tell you what I do believe is truth, and I'll show it to you in the Word. It's not working. Ah, hallelujah. 
All right, of course we have our, our Choose Life scripture that we've been doing. Choose life, therefore your seed shall live. You and your seed shall live. You know, God gave us the choose life or choose death. Choose life, guys. You know what? If you do, you'll love Him. He'll love you. You know, you'll have great relationships. And you'll have faith in His plan and in His word. But we're going to get back into Barnabas here. Acts 11. See, there's some really awesome things that happened in Acts 11. Acts 11 is where Paul's ministry began. Not Paul's conversion. Paul's conversion happened about 14 years before this. You know what Paul did in those 14 years? Nothing. I mean, he loved God. He went to work. He went back home. But Paul didn't do anything. After his Damascus Road experience, Jesus came down and said, Hey, I'm giving you an option. You can live or die. And he said, Lord, show me. Do you know that, that Paul was Saul in, in the Hebrew tongue, but in his Roman tongue, he was Paul. See, a lot of people, I've heard people say, oh, well, God changed his name. No, 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 his name wasn't changed. He was both a Jew and he was a Roman citizen all at the same time. His name was Paul when he was in the Roman areas. When he was in the Jewish areas, he was Saul. And this is just a truth. You can go back and look at it. There was no, there was no magical time where it wasn't like Abraham where he added, you know, father to the end of it. This was just his name. And see, Saul had, had been going around and he had been killing everybody. Jesus came and gave him the ultimatum. He goes into Sinai. He learns some stuff. And then he goes and he lives with Peter for several months. And then he went home. And he stayed there for about 10 years. And now he's in, he's in, you know, he's in Tarsus. And what happened was, is that after Stephen was, after Stephen was persecuted and martyred, there was a bunch of people that actually came to Jesus because of this. And it says here in, um, in verse 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them, talking about, um, talking about how all these Jews that was going out and preaching to only Jews, that they were, they were out there because it says, let me back up. I'll go ahead and just read it all. Now, when, who, when those who were scattered after the persecution that rose over Stephen traveled from as far as Sophonia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but Jews only. So the word was only going to the Jews at this point. There was no Gentiles that were being saved. And it says, But some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene who when they had come to Antioch spoke to the Hellenist preaching the Lord Jesus. So, hey, these guys just decided, hey, there's no Jews over here. I'm just going to start preaching to everybody. And it says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and great numbers believed and turned to the Lord. Verse 22 says, Then the news of these things came to the ear of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to go to Antioch. Okay? They didn't send Paul to Antioch. Barnabas was the person that they sent to Antioch. And it says, when he came and he had seen that the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged that all of them, all of them with their purpose of heart should continue in the Lord. For he was a good man filled with the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas did something he went and departed to Tarsus to seek Saul. Now, I'm going to tell you what. I give, I give Barnabas a lot of credit here. Because he had, not had a lot of, he had not had a lot of interaction with Paul. And by the way, Paul had been home for like 10 years. How about, how about this? How about, you know, I went to Bible college back in... 2015, 2016, 2017. I graduated in 2017, okay? 
So when I graduated, let's just say in 2027, all of a sudden, some minister that I had known way, way back come and knocked on our door and said, Hey, you want to go take a trip over here to Antioch? You know, I think about these things all the time because either Paul was listening to the Holy Spirit and said, something's about to happen. Or he was just ready to get out of the house. Maybe his wife was messing with him. I don't know. But, but I'm, I'm hoping and I'm believing that Paul was sitting there going, it's my time, Lord. What do you want me to do? I believe that's what happened. But after 10 years of being at home, how many people would have already given up and said, I don't know if my ministry is ever going to happen? I'm just being honest with you guys. If God had not started stirring up on the inside of me, I'd have had to have had 50 people walk up to me and go, hey, it's time for you to do something. So I give a lot of credit to Paul for listening to the Holy Spirit. But Barnabas said, you know what? I feel like I'm supposed to go get Saul. And in verse 26, it says, When he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. This was the first time that they actually had discipleship. You could actually say, other than Jerusalem, this is the first church that was put into place for the Gentiles. Guess who was over it? Was it Saul or was it Barnabas? It was Barnabas. In fact, if you read from Acts 11 to Acts 15, it says Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul. Guess who was the first headliner? You know, the headliner was Barnabas. He was the guy that was the preacher. He was the apostle. He was the prophet. Whatever you want to call him, that's who, that's who was leading the charge. Saul was being discipled by Barnabas. And see, what I want you to understand is that the awesomeness about what just happened is, is that we don't know very much about Barnabas all except for this one little thing. And then there's a monk called Alexander that, that says that he found some writings about Barnabas. And they're very small. It's just basically, hey, he went around and was basically preaching for Jesus. And they died. Do you know that, that every single time in our church history, we don't, we don't typically dig in. We don't typically go try to find out where did people come from? Like, how many people, how many people know the, pers- the, the pastor or the person who, who prayed with you when you got saved? It's, y'all are kind of like, eh, maybe. <laughs> I, I might have gotten saved here, and then I remember I rededicated my life. And then, well, you know what? Sometimes I think that we get saved when we're a kid, and then later on in life, there's somebody that gives us the fullness Right? And then we go, whoa, I just stepped into something new. And some people think, well, I got saved all over again. No, no, no. And I, I believe you got saved, but you got salvation up here. You started knowing more than just Jesus loves me, yes, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know that that was all I knew for most of my childhood life. Well, Jesus loves me. I guess I, I guess I love him too. But do you know that when, when I got older and I come to the age of accountability, you know, the age of accountability is different for everybody. It's when I'm accountable for what I know. See, everybody wants to go and say, well, that, that kid, he's not accountable for his sins. Well, he may not be, but we have to understand that accountability has to do with what we know. There may be people, there may be people that are out there that said, I don't, I'm, so there's things that I'm accountable for because I'm not just talking about being saved. I'm talking about things like prosperity, healing, 
See, when I start talking about stuff like that, some people go, I don't even know if I'm accountable for that because I don't know if I believe it. That's okay. It's in the Bible. But see, what I want you to understand is that when we're accountable to something, then that's when God starts going, okay, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? You know, I ask myself that every single morning. You know, the number one thing I ask myself is, Dusty, will you love people? You know, that's the number one thing that I ask myself every single morning. Do you love people? Some mornings I go, yes, Lord. Some mornings I go, maybe, Lord. There's been a couple of mornings I go, we'll see by noon. Give a couple cups of coffee in me. But do you know that Saul was found by Barnabas? He was taken along. Saul didn't know what to do. He wasn't the the magic man of the hour with all the fire and the power. He He was just a guy that was going, I think I'm supposed to be doing something for you, Lord. Do you know that in life, that's where most of us are at. We're like, Lord, I don't know what to do. You know, we need a mentor sometimes. You know, I'm 45 years old. I still need mentors because I don't know how to do everything. I go ask lots of people questions. And sometimes I go, show me how to do it. You know what? You're never too old to go and say, show me how to do it. If you are, then you're not too old. You're just too stubborn. I know that was harsh. I'll start moving I'm back on. Okay. Sometimes it's our pride. It's pride. You know what? It, if I could just get me out of the way, most of the time things would just happen. Just like that. You know that in life, we have to also see that, that people like Paul, people like uh, Peter, all these guys were being raised up. I mean, Peter himself denied Jesus three times. But a few months after that, he's up in the upper room and he's preaching. There's people outside going, I think we're going to kill him. You know, when they told him, hey, we're going to crucify you too, he said, nope, I don't even know this dude. But then when he got up there and the Holy Spirit started dealing with him and he went out into the crowds and he said, hey, come up here to the house. We're going to talk. You know, they had a move of the Holy Spirit. God started doing stuff in their life and Peter himself went from being just the guy that was like, I don't know, to he was like, hey, there's a full manifestation of who I'm supposed to be and where I'm supposed to go. You know, it took Peter a little over three years to get there. So everybody goes, you know, well, Paul, when he dressed Peter down, let's just say this. When Paul did that, Paul had, had taken 14 years from his conversion. Peter was jumping into this thing within three years. Think about how scary that would be. I got to start a whole church based upon Jesus Christ and him alone. And I got to start this thing. Peter himself was probably going, God, I don't have anybody to look to. Jesus went on. Holy Spirit, you just have to show me. I'm going to have to be led by the Holy Spirit. How many people need to be led by the Holy Spirit? Everybody needs to be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm a full believer in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking other tongues. When you don't need to, when you don't know what to pray, I just pray in tongues. Hey, I got news for you. There's some people that's like, oh, I I don't understand that. Well, I don't either. I just do it. You know that at the end of the day, when we're, when we're loving on God and He's loving on us, there's times where we're going to have to say, God, I need more from you than just, I know you love me, Lord. It's one of the reasons why Matthew says, you know, 633, it says, seek you first the kingdom of God because I need to know what to do next. See, Paul, he had Barnabas to help him next. But you know what? Just like everything else, Barnabas, you know, Peter with Jesus, Jesus was like constantly on him. Well, same thing happens here. You know, 
the gospel of Mark probably wouldn't have been written if Barnabas had not had had a fight with Paul. Some people believe that the fight with Paul was fisticuffs. They're out there brawling in the streets. But it was over an annoying little brat. Let's talk about that annoying little brat. Acts 15. So a few years, like three years later, Acts 15, 36, it says, And then some, then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit our brothers in every city that we've preached the word to of the Lord. And how, you know, just trying to find out how they're doing. In verse 37, Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take him with him because, um, I'm sorry, Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in uh, Pamphylia. Now, let me ask you a question. You know, when I was a kid, and my mom and dad can attest to this, you know, maybe even Carol can attest to this, I would go over to my Nana's house. And my Nana, I attribute to her. She taught me all the Bible stories. We would sit down. I mean, my mom and them would too. But Nana was like, every time I'd go to bed, she'd be sitting there. And I'd be like, okay, I I'm, I want to go spend the night with Nana. So I would go over. I would spend the night with Nana. And about the time that mom and dad would get to the end of the road, I would go, hey, I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. I was probably like eight years old, right? I want to go home. And so, so, you know, Papa would jump in the car and he'd run down to catch Dad and go, hey, he wants to go home. He's crying and everything else. So he turns around and they come back. And then about the time Dad pulls up into the car, I would go, no, I want to stay. I want to stay. No, let me stay. You know, Dad gets pulled into the driveway good and he goes, you're going home and you're getting a whipping too. You know that this is a little bit like what Mark did. How many people, you know, had to had to go camp out on the side of a road? Well, I'm pretty sure that Barnabas and oh, Amy has. But I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that Barnabas and Saul and Mark would be in the most precarious places. Probably on the side of the road you know, there's people that are trying to take stuff from them, threatening them. I want to go home. Well, I mean, he's probably like 15 years old. I mean, 15 years old, you're probably going, hey, I, I want, I mean, I, I got a 16 year old right here. You, you want to go just sleep on the side of the road, no pillow, no nothing? No, he's shaking his head, no. Well, he'd have been the one that Paul would have said, I don't want to take him with me. He's just going to complain the whole time. <clears throat> but you know what? This caused a, a contentious, uh, a contention that became so sharp that they parted one another. You know that they, there was some screaming and yelling and because Barnabas said, Hey, you know what? I see something in him. God is telling me that we should take him. And Paul's going, nope, I don't want to take him because he left us. Okay. Well, then you go and take, you go and take John Mark and you go do whatever you want to do. So they went north and Paul and Silas went south. And it said, and so Barnabas took uh, Mark and sailed to Cyprus and Paul uh, chose Silas and departed. And, and so they went and started preaching. Do you know that in our life, we're, we're going to be John Mark, the 15-year-old. Do you know that when I first started going into the ministry, you can ask my wife. You know, I wanted everything to be like it was when I was going to church at Victor Christian Fellowship. I wanted all y'all to be perfectly wanting to, to like, you know, praise God. And, and you know, because we would go and there would be, you know, 150, 200 people out there and the praise and worship's just happening. And I, me and Heather played on the praise and worship team. I mean, Charlie can tell you, we had moves of the Holy Spirit. It was awesome. I go to Jacksonville, Alabama, drive an hour and a half, and there are people that are sitting there going, what are y'all doing here? 
That made, that made that hour and a half trip worth it, right? You know, we did that for over a year. And my, my buddy, Jim McCann, that's the pastor at VCF now, he did it, he did it for two years. Do you know that now they're a church that's thriving because of what we did? But we had a bunch of people that said, what are we doing here and what are y'all doing here? Is it even worth it? Well, then I go and we start Life of Faith North and we go and, and, we go and start you know, having stuff in our house up front. Then we were in this little bitty like room, like in the middle of Gardendale. And so it was just me and an acoustic guitar we're singing. There's maybe like five people. You know, all of that led up to coming here. All of that led up to being where we're at today. Do you know that there was plenty of times I looked at my wife and said, I don't want to do this no more. And you know what's funny about that is? Is God didn't go, okay, well then, I'm going to be like Paul and I'm just going to say, well, you're a brat. No, Paul kept sending people to go, hey, encourage him. Keep him moving. Oh, one day he'll grow up and he'll do something. Do you know that one day I grew up and I was already, I was like 39 years old. <laughs> so, ta-da, I'm, I guess I'm grown up now. But I was 39 and the Lord started dealing with me about what people thought about me. The Lord started dealing with me about what I could control. Do you know that there's things in my life that I can't control? That's a shocker, right? He said, don't worry about them. Only control what you can control. You know, John Mark had to go through the same exact thing. In everything that you guys have ever been in, in everything that I've ever done, in everything John Mark did, he had to grow up. He had to say, hey, it's okay if it doesn't look like I want it to look. It's okay if it doesn't feel like I want it to feel like. Do you know that John Mark, that there was some, there was some time between this right here in Acts chapter 15 and in 2 Timothy chapter 4. It was about 25 years. You know, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 11, Paul writes back and says, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful for the ministry. You know, Paul went from saying, don't bring that brat, to, whoa, bring Mark to me because this guy is useful to me. In fact, we'll find out exactly how useful he was. In Colossians 4.10, uh, Archetus, my fellow prisoner greets you with Mark, the sister son of Barnabas, which is it's also translated cousin, about whom you've received instruction if he comes to you, welcome him. See, Mark himself would go and minister. Because guess where Paul was at? He was in prison. Paul needed Mark. By the way, Paul needed a lot of people. He needed Timothy. Timothy was young. Heck, Mark, by the time this was going on, Mark was in his 50s. Timothy was probably 20. And he's going through the same things. And you know what? Paul dedicated two books to Timothy trying to raise him up from prison. You know what? Paul didn't do that for John Mark. But Barnabas did. Barnabas took him with him, put him under his, his wing and said, here's what you do. In fact, we're going to see here in just a second. This is the... This is, Paul's missionary journey. And you know, Barnabas finds Paul around 46 to 47 AD. Barnabas and Paul get into a fight around 50, 51 AD. Do you know that there was about a three year period there that they were all together? This right here shows you that even in everything that you do, it takes time. Don't try to fast food and short everything in your life. Because you need to know stuff and so does other people. So when they had a sharp disagreement and Paul 
and Silas went off onto their second missionary journey. As you can see, it's 51 to 53 A.D. When 60 to 67 A.D. comes along, which is like almost, I mean, we're, we're talking about almost 17 to 18 years later. Paul's in prison. And guess what happened? He needed John Mark. He needed people like Timothy. He needed to pass the church off to someone else. See, this was a mentoring moment that Barnabas took with John Mark. See, Mark was useful at the end of Paul's life because he had grown up. Do you know that in my own life, I see times where I was a, I was just a wreck and it took time for me to grow up. You can't shortcut growing up. Now, I kind of did. When I turned 12 years old, I went to this. I mean, I literally went from like, you know, like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, to like six foot three. I mean, it, it was horrible on me. It's like a train wreck, guys. I mean, you ask my parents. I went like, like my, my whole chemistry went off. But do you know that everything in my life other than that one time where I grew like six, seven inches all in one summer, do you know everything has not been the train wreck? It's been, I learned this first and then this second and then this third. It's steps in everything. So, okay, let's get to the punchline here, right? Everybody's wanting the lasagna that's in the back, right? Everybody's getting, oh, Dusty, just get to the end so we can eat lasagna. Okay, that's what we're going to do, all right? What happened to Mark, though? See, I want you to understand what happened to Mark. Because there's a point to this, hopefully. You know, when Barnabas did what he did, he put all of his time back into John Mark. And John Mark was the author of the gospel according to Mark. In fact, it was the first gospel that was written by many scholars, there was pieces of it that had gone all over the that had gone all over the Gentile world. Do you know that that John Mark himself became actually what they believed to be sort of the sort of the what they um, they call it like the Q position of it. He was his gospel has all of the other tenets of all the other gospels. That means that, that you can find all of the stories and all of the journeys and all of the things in Mark, but you don't find them in all the other books. See, what we have to understand here is that Mark himself, he went and he spent time with Barnabas. He spent time with Paul. But after Barnabas dies, according to, you know, a few years later, he traveled with Peter. So the monk Alexander, and there's books that have been written about church history. He's one of them that had, had church history about 500 A.D. or so. But he said that John Mark went with Peter and he became the Apostle Mark. Now, you've got to understand something. Peter walked with Jesus. Well, how does Mark know anything about Jesus? It's because he walked with his right-hand man. See, John Mark himself got to sit there every single night with Peter and go, tell me more about the Master. Tell me more about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Peter would say, hey, we were down here and we healed a leper. A leper. A leper. Or some lepers. There may have been some of those that was running around too. Let's take the spots off of them, guys. You know. But, you know, this is the thing that I want you to understand is that, is that the foundational pieces of what the Bible in our New Testament were set up for had to do with two major people. John Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark in around, eh, around 68 A.D. You know, Paul wrote a ton of books 
Look at them. The letters of Paul. He wrote Galatians and 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and 1st Corinthians, 2nd Corinthians and Romans. That was not it, guys. That was not all. He wrote 13 in total, and they actually believe that Hebrews is also just an unclaimed book by Paul. I got news for you. You go read the rest of his letters, and then you go read Hebrews. They look about the same. You know, one of the things I want you to understand is, is that it took mentorship. Barnabas poured his life into a kid that was unworthy. Well, guess what? That kid helped to write the foundation of what we know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, Barnabas helped to write the foundation of Paul. And we have 14 books that we get to see every single day. One man just went and said, yeah, I will. And you know what? Whether you believe that Barnabas was the rich young ruler or not, which I do, I believe he was, just because of his lineage and because of everything and his age. But I truly believe, I truly believe this, that when he said no to Jesus, and he walked away, I believe when Jesus came back to him and said, would you be willing? Would you be willing to just go talk to Paul? Would you be willing to just go take him? Would you be willing to go take John Mark? Because they're worthy. Do you know that because of that, we have what we have today. You know, I think about people like Mordecai Ham. How many people know about Mordecai Ham? Anybody? You know who Mordecai Ham is? You know that Mordecai Ham... He, he actually was an influential minister for one of the greatest evangelists that we've seen in the last 100 years. Just beg to, beg to guess, because we've got a lot of Southern Baptists. Billy Graham. You know that, you know that nobody knows who Mordecai Ham is? He just preached to several people here and several people there. But you know that his mark has left a legacy the evangelist to presidents, the evangelist to America, the evangelist to the Queen of England. Do you know that, that we have seen over the last 100 years more changes in the church because of that one, that one man? You know, Barnabas was just like that. He just said, hey, Lord, I'll just do whatever you tell me. You know... God has some people that he wants you to mentor. He has some people that he wants you to influence that is going to be the next generation that's going to go out here and blow the doors off of it. You know, we may be sitting here in the midst of some evangelists. We may be sitting in the midst of the next prophets and and apostles. I'm believing I'm believing. I, I, I want to see it. I want to see the next generation go. I want to see us go beyond where we are right now. I don't know. I don't know how to do it, guys. I'm believing that somebody will take on the seed and that they will go forward and that they will go and preach the gospel where I can't. I'm believing. I'm believing that we're going to see the next generation, that they're going to have a revival. You know, the Lord keeps putting it on my heart that we're going to see a revival. But it takes a seed to grow the fruit in order to be able to have that revival. And each and every person has a part to play in this. Do you know why Barnabas is my, is my favorite, right, favorite right beside Jesus? It's because he himself just said, I'm just willing to play my part. I'm not looking for a, for a tent revival or, or I want to be the next Kenneth Hagin or, or, or the next Billy Graham or, or whoever it is. I just want to play my part. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not going to ask much of you because we're going to have some lasagna here in just a minute. It's going to be good. I promise. It's Bertolone's. You guys are going to enjoy it.
Do you know that I, I want to pray a blessing over you today? I want you guys to know that you have a significant part to play. You may never step on a stage. You may never go out and, and host a tent revival. But you know what? You've got kids and grandkids and you have people that you influence at your jobs. You have people that you influence in this church. You have people that you influence in your life. And right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray over each and every person that's at the sound of my voice. Those that are here, those that are on our live stream or listening uh, out there on the internet, I just pray in Jesus' name just a blessing that the power of God manifests in their life, that they are able to touch people in a way that, that propagates them into their future, that plants seeds and that waters seeds and that helps to pick a harvest so that we can go beyond where we're at, that we can see the last day's revival where people are going to come back to Jesus in groves. I pray in Jesus' name that people that are downtrodden, that these people that are at the sound of my voice are going to be life. That there is life coming out of them. And that peace is going to manifest in the earth. I just pray in Jesus' name that every single person in here is like Barnabas. That they go out and say, Lord, I'm not looking for the for the revival. I'm looking who I can revive. Lord, help me to be the person that revives someone else. Lord, help me to be the person that shows up in someone's life when they need it. That they're the Barnabas. Father, I just pray over every single person. I pray, dear Lord, that you are giving them callings and you're giving them understanding about where they should go and how they should act and where they should be and the people that they should hang around with. Father, I just pray over them. Bless them in Jesus' name. Also, Father, I pray over this food that we're about to receive. May it nourish our body. I just thank you, dear Lord, for the fellowship. I thank you for the time of just helping us to grow together. I pray over this food in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you. Oh, if anybody has any prayer requests, please, I'll be down here at the, I'll be down here at the front.